John, John chapter 1, and we have so much for which to be thankful. We're grateful to know that there is a God who's coming for those who place their faith in Him as we've just sung. We know that we have a God that loves us, a God that extends His grace to us, and, and really that is the essence of this sermon series we've been involved in, and we're going to be finishing today entitled, You're Invited. We've taken the time to learn that, that God invites people to come to know Him and to grow in Him. I remember growing up hearing people talk about visiting the Grand Canyon and how awesome it was, and I just couldn't quite wrap my mind around what a trip to the Grand Canyon would be like. I thought, well, it's, it's going to be hot there, and it's just a big hole in the ground, and what's the big deal? And, and I'd hear people talk about it. I even saw pictures of it and postcards of it. I, I suppose I could have even watched the IMAX 3D adventure of Journey to the Grand Canyon had I chosen to do so, but I just couldn't quite understand what was so awesome about the Grand Canyon until I visited it. How many of you visited the Grand Canyon? It's pretty grand, is it not? <laughs> I remember I stood there thinking, good night, this is unbelievable. Everyone in the world needs to see this place. It just didn't make sense to me until personally I, I experienced it. And our study of You're Invited began in the book of Genesis. And we, we learned about a man by the name of Noah that God invited to come into the ark. And we learned that all of God's invitations are to come to him, all right? God invites us to come to him, to know him, to grow in him, to have a, a relationship with him. We learn that we can have uh, an eternal relationship through faith. And, and all of that comes by way of the work that, that God does. But as we think of this study that we've had today, my desire has not been to send you a postcard or to show you a snapshot or to even think of the testimonial like we saw a moment, moment ago of, of families in our church and their stories. There's value in all of that. My prayer has been that we would personally come to understand in a greater way what God's grace is all about and that we would experience it in a very real, personal, and relevant way. And we come to a passage in the Bible which is just a classic, classic passage where Jesus cuts to the chase, and he had a way of doing that. He could just get to the heart of the matter, and he knew the heart of the matter is always a matter of the heart. And so we're going to come to a passage where Jesus just is speaking to some people that are seeking to know more, seeking to know the truth, and, and following Christ, and he just says to them, hey, come and see. Come and see. It's good to hear what others have to say about it. It's, it's good to look at the postcard of my love, he says, but why don't you just come and experience it personally? And I'm going to invite you, if you're able today, to join me in standing. We're going to look to God's Word together. John chapter 1 is where we are today. We're going to begin reading in verse 35. John chapter 1 and verse 35. The Bible says, again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and we're going to read on, but uh, there's the name John you'll find a variety of times in the New Testament, and and uh, this, this John is John the Baptist, and it's important we understand that. That's going to be key for our study today. And so the Bible says John stood and two of his disciples. Now, normally when we hear the word disciple, we think of people that follow Jesus Christ. The word disciple essentially means follower, and John the Baptist had people that followed him. And so the Bible introduces us here to John the Baptist and two men who were his followers. They were his disciples, all right? Verse, uh, as we move on, verse 36. And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. In other words, they heard what John said. It piqued their interest. And they thought, well, I'm going to follow Jesus. This wasn't a heart of faith follow. It was, what in the world was John talking about? Okay? They followed Jesus. Verse 38. 
Jesus turned, saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw. By the way, when Jesus tells any of us to come and see, it would be good if we came and saw. Okay. So Jesus in verse 39 said, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. Now, I'm going to read on in a moment, but oftentimes when we refer to Jesus, we'll refer to him as Jesus Christ or Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, Jesus was just an ordinary name. It was an earthly name. It was the New Testament version of the Old Testament name Joshua. And we know of a character in the Old Testament by, by the name of Joshua. There were others in the day of Christ who had the name of Jesus. That was just his earthly name. Now, it's a special name. The word Jesus means Savior. And as we get into the Christmas season, we'll talk a little more about that. But that word Christ, Jesus Christ, that's an important word. It comes from a word Christos. And, and that would be the Greek way of saying the Old Testament word Messiah. In other words, when they said Jesus Christ, they were saying his name to identify who they were talking about. But the word Christ was saying this is the one the prophets talked about. This is the one that when he said, I'm going to come and take care of all these things, that's, that's who he's talking about. And so they identified him as such. And so we find John and Andrew, the followers of John the Baptist, and they see Jesus and they get excited about it. And Andrew goes and tells his brother, hey, we found the Christ. That's why that's so significant. He said, we found the one they were talking about in the Old Testament. Verse 42, he brought him to Jesus. When Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is, by interpretation, a stone. Now, there's a whole message just in the fact that he named Peter a stone. We could talk about that a little more, but, but today I want us to go back to verse 39. And I want you to take note of those words in red in that verse. And listen to what it is Jesus says today, okay? By the way, he's saying this to all of us. Come and see. Come and see. Our Father, we thank and praise you that when we open this book, we're opening the words that you've recorded for us and preserved for us. Lord, I love you today. I know apart from your work in this service, nothing really of value can come. I need your help to teach and preach. And, and then each person listening today needs, needs your help to receive the truth, find glory in it all. We love you, Lord. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You, you may be seated. There are just some moments in Scripture that seem to really stand out, and for me, this is one of them. We, we are introduced to John the Baptist, and, and he was a man who had a unique calling upon his life. His calling was to be the forerunner to Jesus Christ. And so John ordained, or, or excuse me, God the Father ordained that John the Baptist would be the one to come before the ministry of Christ to tell the whole world that God the Son had come and that a work would be done through him. And as he preached, and what a preacher he was, people from uh, the region would come and listen to him, and, and they were amazed by his words. And John the Baptist was not only a powerful preacher, he was an eccentric guy as well. He wore clothes that were totally out of the style of the day. He had a bizarre diet, just to give you a little insight. Wild locusts was one of his staples, okay? John was a different kind of a guy, but he was an amazing man of faith, and the greatest thing he ever did with his life was point others to Jesus Christ. And that's a good thing anyone can do with their lives, point others to Jesus Christ. And so John the Baptist was profoundly used of God. And we find that there was a transition that had to take place. John was the prominent one. 
John had the disciples. John had the notoriety. John had the fame. People came to listen to John. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene. And John, in a very act of humility, took a step back so that Jesus could could take center stage, so to speak, and so that Jesus could get, get all the attention that was due him. In fact, John put it this way, as he said in John 3 and verse 30, he said, he, speaking of Jesus, must increase, I must decrease. That is the antithesis of what we typically would want to do. But John said, I'll tell you what, Jesus is what it's all about. He's what it's all about. And so John said, I've, I've risen to prominence to promote the ministry of Jesus, but now that he's here, I'm going to take a back seat so that Jesus can, can lead the way. And of course, uh, John was a great man, and Jesus noticed that, and, and Jesus said some amazing things about John. In Luke 7, for example, Jesus said this, among those that are born of women. Now, how many of you were born of a woman? Uh, there's usually one or two that hatched, you know, I tried to make sure... I included everybody, but for those that were born of women, this is who Jesus is talking about. There is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. Now, that's a pretty amazing statement made by Jesus Christ. John the Baptist was an amazing man, and and in this text, the ministry of John the Baptist begins to end. And his ministry really began by telling others about Jesus Christ. And as he did this, I want you to look in your outline this morning. We, we have to see the first element in our study, which is the introduction. John did a great job introducing others to Jesus Christ, explaining to them who Jesus is and what it is that, that he had done. And a good introduction makes a big difference. I remember one day my brother introduced me to a, a pastor who was from out of state, and I'm not a great conversationalist, and, and I say that sometimes people think, well, you know, you talk a lot. If you give me hours and hours and hours to study, and if you'll let me write my sermons out word for word, which I do, uh, I'll have something to say. But you catch me by surprise, I'll just stare at you. I, you know, I've got nothing. I'm sorry. I've got to work a long time to come up with some things to say. And so I'm standing here, not a great conversationalist. This other guy wasn't either, and we kind of began to talk just a little And after a while, we discovered we had friends in common. We even discovered that one time when he was younger, he took a trip with his family. They stayed in our home. And so we're, after a while, we're like cellmates. We're talking so good. You know, we're just getting along great. And we know all these people in common. Our families cross paths and are friends. And, and uh, I remember sharing with my brother, hey, this is unbelievable. We know the same people. He's even been to our house when I was growing up. And, and my brother said, yeah, I know. And I'm thinking, well, why didn't you tell me? I could have got to know him better. I could have got to know him quicker. You, you didn't do a very good job introducing me. John did a great job introducing Jesus Christ. He wanted everybody to know who Jesus was, where he came from, and what it was he came to do. And he introduced Jesus in a great way. The Bible tells us in verse 36, he said it this way. Behold the Lamb of God. Now, there's a lot that's significant about that statement. First of all, the word behold, it comes from the word teatro that we get our word theater from. It, it, it means more than just look at or take a glance at or uh, just a, a passing view. John the Baptist was telling the crowd as Jesus walked in, you need to take that man in right there. You need to look at him to the point of understanding. You need to gaze intently upon is the definition. Behold him. And then he said, the Lamb of God. Now that's kind of a strange way to introduce people in our day, in our vernacular, if I refer to someone as a lamb, we think, well, what are you talking about? He's not a good leader? Or what, what, do you, what do you mean by that exactly? But the word lamb to the audience to which John the Baptist was speaking, it would have captured their attention. He's speaking now to Jewish people. And he used an expression when he looked at Jesus. He said, he's the lamb of God. 
Now, they would have known that lambs had a significant meaning in their culture. They would have known since the very beginning that lambs were slain and their blood was spread for a covering for sins. They would have understood all of that. They would have known that a lamb was the first sacrifice in the Bible. They understood through following the practices of Judaism as they were Jews that that lambs provided for an atonement for sin. It was a lamb that was sacrificed as the Jews left captivity in Egypt. It was Abraham's son who asked his dad, hey, where's the lamb for our sacrifice? And Abraham responded this way in Genesis 22. He said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. Now listen to how he said that. God will provide himself a lamb. He could have said God himself will provide a lamb, but that's not what he said. He literally said, God will provide a lamb and the lamb will be himself. God will provide himself for a lamb. He said, son, we all share a problem. Every one of us, we're imperfect. There's not one of us that does right all of the time. We're imperfect. And God sees our need. And for the time being, Abraham would shed the blood of a lamb for a covering for sin. But he was saying in a prophetic sense that the day is coming when God himself will provide himself as a lamb. And through the shedding of the blood of God, the the sins will, will be forgiven when we enter into a relationship with him by faith. It was an amazing statement that John the Baptist made here. God will provide himself. You see, that's just who Jesus is. He's the lamb. Earlier in John 1, in verse 29, if you want to look there, the Bible says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. What does the lamb do? He takes the sin upon himself. He's the propitiation, the the stand-in. In other words, the wrath of of God was poured out on, on Christ on the cross. And John says, Behold the Lamb of God. That's a definite article. My mom would be so happy right now, all her years of teaching English, to know that I'm sharing with people. That's a definite article there, the, the, behold, the lamb. But that's important as well. John did not say, behold, a lamb. There had been many lambs, and undoubtedly there would be many more. That was a specific one. There was a specific word there. In other words, John was saying, that's the one. That's the lamb of God. The one and only, the as in the way, the truth, and the life. He was exalting the person and work of Jesus Christ so people could understand who he was and why he had came. And that introduction was inspired by God. It was was profitable for all. It let them know all about Christ. And that introduction led to another thought in this text. We see it. It's the interest John says, behold, the Lamb of God, and and an interest is stirred. And and we see that in verse 36. As we move on to verse 37, we're introduced to two disciples. Now, these two disciples are Andrew and John. And again, lest we get confused, John the Baptist is the man they're following, and this is another John, okay, and Andrew. So we're introduced to two disciples here, and they're interested because of what John the Baptist had said. And John the Baptist humbly encourages them. He says, men, I know you're following me, but what I want you to do now, follow him. That was a big act, okay? That was a big thing to do. I want you to follow him. And so they're following Christ now, and and they're pursuing him. It's, It's interesting to see that they're just religious men at this point, not what we might call as Christians, and that term doesn't come to the book of Acts, I understand, but... They weren't following Christ in the sense of, hey, I'm believing in him, so therefore I'm following him. It was more a matter of, I'm interested in this guy. 
What did John the Baptist mean when he said, Behold the Lamb of God? These men were interested, but that interest turned into an investigation. They followed Jesus. They weren't following in the sense of followers by faith. They were really trying to figure it all out. They were seekers in the truest sense of the word. And for that reason, Jesus looked at them and said, What seek ye? Did you know the Bible's filled with occasions when Jesus asked questions? God in the Old Testament asked questions. And God never asked a question because he doesn't know the answer. But he asked a lot of questions. And he always asked a question for one reason, to probe our conscience, to get us thinking. And so Jesus looked at these guys, and they're seekers. We know that because he said, what are you seeking? And, and they're now from interest to investigation. And, and so Jesus says, what, what are you guys doing? Can I help you? What are you looking for? You know, what, what are you doing exactly? And he was trying to help them to understand there was something that was missing. There was a need in their life. Jesus loves it when we become students who search for the meaning found in him. The Bible says in John 5, 39, search the scriptures for in them ye think ye have eternal life and they are they which testify of me. Jesus said, I'll tell you what would be a good thing for everybody to do. Man, study the Bible because it's in the Bible you learn stuff about me. He loves it when we study, when we investigate. Now, many in that day were looking for a leader who would lead a revolt against the Romans. Now, I'm sure you're not surprised to know that in the land we call Israel or the Holy Land, there's been a power struggle for that land like forever. That's nothing new, okay? And back in the time when this was written, back in the days of Christ, the Romans were the ones who were kind of the, uh, the strong people. They were the leaders of the world, and they were the occupiers of, of uh, Israel. And for that reason, the Jews were very unhappy with that. You can imagine it didn't make things easy for them, and, and they were not happy to uh, be occupied by another. And so a lot of Jews would say things like, wouldn't that be great if, if someone in our midst would raise up and become a strong military leader and lead a fight against the Romans and push them out of our land, we could be done with them? Wouldn't that be great? And they were very hopeful that some strong uh, uh, fighting warrior would emerge. And if they were looking to find that in Christ, they were going to be disappointed, weren't they? That's not at all what he was about. Some people wanted a political figure who could come and be their king. Some people wanted a religious figure who could come and validate their practices. And Jesus kept the law in every point, but he certainly didn't come to, to uh, validate the law. To continue the law, he brought a new way. It's called grace. And so many people were looking for, for a Christ, so to speak, but they were disappointed in what they found. But if they were looking for a Savior who would give them the forgiveness of sins, who would give them a relationship that would last forever and the absolute guarantee of a home in heaven, they wouldn't be disappointed at all. Now, let me ask you something today. Look up here. Let me ask you something. What are you looking for in Jesus? And I think that's a good question to ask ourselves. It's okay if we study the Bible and work today, isn't it? That'd be a great thing for us to just look inside and say, really, when I look at Christ, what am I looking for? Sometimes we look at Christ and we perceive him to be something similar, something akin to a rabbit's foot. If I could just get some good luck from him, that'd be great. That'd be wonderful. 
Sometimes we're looking for someone who can make us feel better when we're going through a difficult time. Sometimes we're looking to get something out of a Sunday that we hope will be an encouragement to us Monday through Saturday. And, and there's, there's a degree where I can see where we're coming from in those things. But listen, if, if that's what you're looking for exclusively in Christ, just someone to bring some fortune your way and to make you feel better about things and to help you during the rest of the week, you're going to be disappointed because coming to Christ doesn't remove every problem in our lives. But if you're looking at Christ, Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, for the assurance of a relationship with God that will last forever. You will never be disappointed in Jesus Christ. Never. So in response to Christ's question, what seek ye? They said, where dwellest thou? You see, more than asking questions, they were, they were essentially saying to Jesus, we want to learn more. We, we want to spend some time with you and talk with you and learn and I want you to see today that their interest was the result of God's working in their lives. God and his sovereignty put them in a place where John the Baptist came by. They're following John the Baptist and learning more and more. And then they hear John the Baptist say, behold, the Lamb of God. In response to that statement, they begin to follow Jesus. In response to what they're seeing in Jesus, they ask a question. The Lord answers. They're, they're following more and more. I want you to know, whether you live in a big city with millions of people or whether you live on some isolated island in some of the far remote regions of the oceans, I want you to know, I believe with all my heart, there's a principle in Scripture that if we respond to the light that God gives us, He'll be faithful always to give us more light. And sometimes we like to obsess over the minutia of questions. Well, what if I live someplace? I never had an opportunity. Look, God's put it in all our hearts to know there's more to it than what there is here. And the psalmist makes it clear that even the heavens declare his, declare his glory. And as we step into the light that we receive from God, he gives us more and more and more. So this interest that became an investigation is getting more and more interesting to, to these men as they seek to get to know Christ. And that leads us to another thought, the third element in our study, the invitation. And that's in verse 39. What was the invitation? Here it is. Come and see. And the Bible says, they came and saw. That was a great response to a great invitation. And this really is the heart of our study. The world is filled with people who are curious about Christ and curious about Christianity. Many even know that we've been invited but fail to respond with a heart that comes to him. It, it reminds me of the people in the day, in the day of Elijah. He, he said this to them. He, he said this, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. The Bible says the people answered him not a word. Here's what Elijah said. Hey, folks, I don't understand your, your fence-sitting ways. I don't understand this middle-of-the-road approach. If God is God, follow him completely. Do the stuff he says to do. If he's God, and if you think Baal is God, if you believe in another system, then do that. Pick a, pick a side. And the Bible says in response to that, they didn't say a word. They maintained kind of that middle-of-the-road approach. There, there's got to be a better way. If God is God, follow him with all of your heart. The other night I was out on a, uh, uh, visiting a family in our church who visited our church, and I was with uh, Luke Dodd, a good man in our church, and one of our deacons, and and uh, we were together, and I, of course I know Luke's story, but I hadn't thought about it in years. And as we're there, and the gospel's being shared, and we're talking and so forth, and, and, and Luke, Luke said something that, uh, it just it struck me. He told the story of being raised in church, of going every week, of knowing church stuff, knowing church lingo, 
I'm sure he learned the verses in the children's program. He knew the gospel. But he told the story of coming to Coastline on a Sunday morning and, and the gospel being preached that day. And I said something at the end of the sermon that I say at the end of every sermon. If you're not sure if you were to die today, that you'd spend eternity in heaven, why don't you raise your hand so I can pray for you? And uh, I, I believe he said he raised his hand, but, he, but then I invited people to come forward. And of course, he was scared to death to do that. But he came back that night. And that night again, the preaching was done. And Sunday night's a little more energetic, motivational, oriented, a little bit more to, to people that, that you would imagine entirely have come to know Christ. But I give an invitation nonetheless. And Luke responded. And he came forward. And that night he was dealt with by the former Captain Jeremy Stallnecker, who would later become uh, assistant pastor at Coastline Baptist Church, Jeremy Stallnecker. Now he's pastor up in the Bay Area. He abandoned us, so we don't even talk about him anymore. But <laughs> I'm kidding, of course, okay? But uh, he, he uh, had brought Luke to church. They were friends in the military. And and Luke prayed to accept Jesus Christ as a Savior. What a, listen, listen, please hear me. What a testimony. He knew all about it. He could have come in and sang the songs. He knew the Bible. He knew it all. It was all up here. It just wasn't down here. And maybe that's where you're at today. You know it. You're aware of it. You've heard it. You've thought about it a little bit. But, but there's just that, that doubt. And, and I want you to know that, that Jesus is calling out to us today. Come and see. The call extends to everybody. In John 6, 37, the Bible says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. That's what Jesus says. He says, come to me. Come and see. And those that come to me, I'll in no wise cast them out. I wouldn't do that. Jesus invited. They responded. And that's how it all works. We wouldn't even know of the possibility of a relationship with God were it not for Jesus, God the Son, saying, come and see. And then we see the joy of being able to respond and coming to know him. I love this thought. This may uh, not be lovely to you, but I think it's pretty great. In verse 39, the point was made in the end of the verse, it was about the 10th hour. Do you see that in your Bibles? It was about the 10th hour. Now, one of the two followers that was pursuing Christ here, John, wrote the Gospel of John years later, not as a young man, as an older man. Reflecting back over the years on this day, it's just interesting to me that as he's reflecting on all, all this and he's writing about it, he says, you know, it was about the 10th hour, as I recollect. It was about the 10th hour. That just lets me know that with all these years, with decades removed from that experience and the occasion of him writing about it, he looks back on it and he's even remembering the time of day. The point I'm making is this, that's a significant moment. When you come to the point where you understand who Jesus is and you accept him personally as your savior, it's a moment where things change. It's a moment where, where life begins to come together to the point where greater sense is made of it all. It was a great day for John and it led to a great change and that leads us to the final thought. We, we see here the impact. A lot happens when we come to Christ. We're forgiven of our sins. We're assured of a home in heaven. When we die, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. Our whole destiny changes. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, the, the Bible tells us that we're a new creation, that old things pass away and things become new, and we're grateful from that. And from our point of view, we see some important facts. The, the first thought that we see here is that these men had a desire to be with Jesus Christ. They stayed with him. 
They listened to him. That's what the text tells us. They learned of him. I'm certainly no man's judge, but one of the signs of an authentic faith in Christ, and I want you to hear this, one of the signs of an authentic faith in Christ is people want to spend time with the Lord and they want to learn a lot from him. And we know the way that's done is we read the Bible and study it. We realize church is not man's idea. Acts chapter 20 and verse 20 lets us know that Jesus Christ established the church. This is his plan. And he's appointed that we come together for the purpose of studying. One of the signs of authentic faith in Christ is a desire to follow Christ and to learn about Christ and to grow in Christ. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to be perfect. There's got to be a, a growth pattern, a learning curve in life. And uh, uh, I mean nothing by that other than this. You find the people in the Bible that grew in their faith. They're people that stuck around and took some time to learn. What impact was made by coming and seeing Jesus Christ? Well, change your life. They just want to learn more about him. They want to learn more about him and spend time with him. They were interested in Jesus Christ and his followers and his work. But there was another aspect that I, I, I have a hard time overlooking in this text. Authentic followers of Christ not only want to spend time with him and learn more about him and so forth. They want to share him with other people. They, they didn't want to be undercover Christians. They were zealous Christians who wanted to tell other people about this one they came and saw. They want to tell them about Jesus Christ. I love the fact of, of the testimony of Andrew here. In, in verse 41, the Bible says, He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. He didn't just tell him where Jesus was. He didn't tell his brother, Simon Peter, hey, Jesus is down the street. If you get some time, stop by and see him. He's an interesting guy. He went to him and said, man, you've got to meet Christ. He's changed my whole life. Nothing is the same. Everything is different now. I don't look at anything the same way I used to. You've got to see him. And he brought him to Christ. Outside of the verses in the New Testament that just list the names of the apostles, there's really only three times we find Andrew doing anything. And all three times what we find Andrew doing, bringing people to Jesus Christ. You remember the feeding of the 5,000? The Bible tells the story of the lad that brought his little sack lunch, and the Lord used that and, and broke it and multiplied it and so forth. Yeah, that was Andrew. He brought the little boy to Jesus. There's another occasion we found some Greeks. They were sitting around thinking. That's what Greeks do, right? That's what we know of Greeks, philosophers. And they're sitting around. They're, they're wrestling with the big questions. And, and Andrew comes by as they're wrestling, and, and he essentially says, look, if you've got questions, there are answers. And he's Jesus. He's the answer. Come on, let me take you to Jesus. He, he took him to Jesus. You see, people that know who Jesus is and know what he means to a life, they want to share him with others. In Andrew's case, he said, man, I want to start at home. I want, I want my family to know who Jesus is. I hate the thought of them not knowing how great Christ is. And then they look around and, and all the time are looking for others as well. When you accept Christ, your life is never again the same. No, it's not perfect. But your priorities come more and more into alignment with the priorities of Jesus Christ. And that's a blessing. It's a blessing. I have a hobby. I collect sky miles. You know what sky miles are? I like to collect them. And I don't just collect them to store them up. I like to use them. It's kind of a little hobby. I know, I know. You thought my hobby was bodybuilding. No, that's not my hobby. It's collecting sky miles. And uh, 
there's a lot of different ways you can get them, you know. There's a lot of different things you could do. Some places you shop, you get two miles for every dollar, and if you use your debit card, you get them. And, and uh, I've got a variety of different ways. It's fun for me. I like to get Sky Miles, and I like to use the Sky Miles. And uh, I got a statement the other day, and it shared with me that some of my miles had expired. Now, to a guy whose hobby is to collect Sky Miles, it's like, you know, I had to just stop and grieve for a moment. That was a sad, sad day. Lost some Sky Miles. It's a total bummer. You know what Sky Miles are, essentially? They're an invitation from the airline or however it is you're earning miles to take a trip. Sometimes you can even buy a subscription to a, new, a, a newspaper or a magazine. I mean, I could even buy a, a barbecue with, with uh, one of these programs. It's, it's awesome. But, but essentially, we're talking Sky Miles. It's an invitation to take a trip. They're saying in reward for your patronage or your, your being a good customer, whatever it is, you've accumulated these reward points, these miles, so we're extending to you an invitation hey, take a trip on us. They extended that to me. They, they extended Sky Miles to me, and, and a part of it was you get to take a trip because you have them. The invitation was given. I delayed in responding, and that opportunity's gone now. And it's not really their fault. I just kind of got busy and meant to get around to it, and before you know it, I, I lost some Sky Miles. And what a sad thing that is. Of course, there's something worse, right? Being invited is only a benefit if you accept the invitation. Nothing says acceptance like an invitation. This holiday season, if someone says to you, hey, I would love to get together with you over the holidays, what they're saying without saying it, they're saying, I accept you. I want to spend time with you. An invitation says acceptance. Without saying a word, the invitation says, I accept you. And when we respond by receiving the invitation, we are saying, I accept you too. When Jesus Christ says by his grace to all of us today, hey, come and see. Don't just hear about it. Don't just hear testimonials about it. Don't just look at pictures of it. Come on. Come and see me. Get to know me. Have a relationship with me. When he says that, he is saying to us, through grace, I accept you. And based on what we do with his invitation, we're letting him know whether or not we accept him. That old saying, you snooze, you lose, it's, it's bad when it comes to sky miles, but friends, how horrible would it be to get to the other end of life and look back and think, yeah, I knew it all right. Where are you at in all of this? I didn't see any halos today, so we'll just be us, okay? I'd imagine God's word in this text here especially could, could help all of us in one way or another. I, I wonder, where are you at in all of this? Maybe you're here today and the reality is you need to come and see Christ in the sense of getting to know him, establishing a relationship, being saved. And maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know, I was like John and Andrew. I, I followed him close and, and I've kind of drifted back a little bit and I, I need to come back up close to him. 
I need to spend time with him again and learn from him and tell others about him. And I, I want to be that kind of disciple or follower. I think there's something for us today. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your love and for this time to learn and, and be helped. And I do pray that both of those things have happened today. Help us to be honest with you, Lord. Help us to let this message uh, look into our hearts. Use this time. Holy Spirit, work now, we plead with you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning, and in a few moments we'll be on our way, but we certainly did not come to church today with the intention of getting out. Now, we're going to get out, but what I'm saying is everything we've done today has been preliminary to this moment. Because what difference is it if no difference is made? What is it God has for you today? Perhaps you're here this morning and say, you know, Pastor, I'll tell you, I, I think as I, as I think of this study today, as I think of what the verses said and, and what you shared with us, maybe you're here today, you'd say, you know, Pastor, what I'm thinking is this, this message for me was a great reminder to be a really good follower of Christ, to spend that time with him and to, to listen to him and to learn about him and, and to tell other people about him. And maybe you're here today, you'd say, Pastor, there was really a, a great reminder for me in this study this morning. Are there those like that who just by way of a testimony lift a hand up real quick and say, kind of, Pastor, that's where I'm at today. There's kind of a good reminder for me in all of that. Many, many like that. Are there others? You say, Pastor, there's something in there for me today. That's great. Lots of hands. That's good. Now, listen, maybe you raised your hand, maybe you didn't, but I want to ask another question. And again, this question goes out to everybody. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know, Pastor, um, John and Andrew, they kind of followed Jesus around for a while before they really figured out who he was and what it was all about. And maybe you can relate to the story that, that uh, I shared about Luke here in our church. Who He learned and he knew some things, but it needed to sink about 18 inches from his mind into his heart. And, and listen, maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, may, maybe that's where I'm at. That's where I think I'm at. I think that's how this study could help me today. And you'd say, you know, I'm just not sure I have that relationship with God. You'd say, you know, I'm just, I'm not 100% sure if my life were to end that I'd spend eternity in heaven with him. Now, I'm not going to point anybody out. I, I didn't the last time. I'm not going to this time. But I'd like to be in prayer for you, a, a private prayer. I'm not going to say your name. But listen, what a horrible thing it would be to have a loving God say, come and see. And we don't. Maybe you're here today to say, Pastor, listen, if you'd like to remember me in a, in a time of prayer, that'd be fine with me. That's where I'm at today. I'm just not sure. I'm not certain. I wonder, are there those this morning by the testimony of an upraised hand? You say, Pastor, come, that's what I'm thinking. I'm just not sure. That's great. That's great. Are there others today? Yeah, that's great. Thank you. You say, Pastor, I'm just not sure. I'd, I'd like to know how to go to heaven. I'd like to know how to have a relationship with God. I'm just not certain. There were hands around the room, nearly every section today. Now, I'm going to tell you now what we're going to do, and this is what we do every week. This is what we did in our earlier service an hour or so ago. We're going to stand in a moment and sing a song together. And as we do, this is a time in the service we call the invitation time. It's a time where we really respond to what it is we believe the Lord was doing in our lives. 
for those who would like to, the front of an auditorium, it's called an altar. It's a place where folks can pray if they'd like to. We'll have counselors, men and ladies, if you have a spiritual question or want someone to pray with you. And these, these folks would just be absolutely blessed and privileged to spend a moment in prayer with you. But it's also an opportunity for us to solidify some spiritual things in our life. Now listen, those of you that raised your hand saying, I'm not certain, this is a great day for you because as we have a time of, of singing, heads are going to be bowed and eyes are going to be closed. I'm going I'm to invite you to come and there's going to be folks in the front that love to do just what you heard about in the video earlier with Larry. Take God's word and tell you how you could know from God's word. It'll be a great opportunity, time of encouragement. Would you be so kind today as to join me in standing, please? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. The music's playing. Ryan's going to sing a song today of invitation. If you know those words, sing along. But if God's touched your heart, hey, let's, let's act on it today. Maybe you need to spend a moment in prayer. Great, do it. Maybe you want another person to spend a time in prayer with you. Do it. Maybe there's a spiritual decision. Don't put it off. Don't let those sky miles expire. As the singing begins, I'll invite you to come today.